Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Support WrestleTalk! Give us a subscribe. Hey everybody, I'm John Cena. Hey, it's professional wrestler Colt Boom Boom Cabana. Hey, I'm Double J Jeff here. This is Rich Swan, Matt Riddle, the King of Rose. Support Wrestle Talk. Support Wrestle Talk. Support Wrestle Talk. Do it, bro. Support Ollie. Support Luke. Support Wrestle Talk. Support Wrestle Talk. Home of Luke Owen. Whatever Wrestle Talk is, and whoever Luke Owen is, support the Raven. Nevermore. Wrestle Talk. Hello and welcome to the WrestleTalk podcast. I am Luke Owen and I'm joined by Denise Salcedo. How's it going, Denise? I'm doing good. Excited to be good. here. Yeah, it's excited to be here. Well, we've got a big old episode to dive into. So we've got to talk about the Courtney 3 report and a bumper mailbag episode. So here is the show. Um, right, well, we have got a ton to dive into here uh, before we even get into your mailbag, and it's a packed old mailbag again this week. Um, but first up, it's the quarterly, th- it's the quarter three reports for 2020. So, of course, lots of chat coming out about that. If you are one of those people that watch this podcast and be like, "Ugh, I hate it when they talk the business stuff," I'm afraid it's an episode where we talk the business stuff. Lot but it's of good business, people. though. Good business. It is good business. And you know what? WWE had a great quarter. They are up 19% on what they were on quarter three 2019. That is, that's a huge, huge uh, upswing. That is helped partly by the fact that you're not paying for travel. Um, granted, they don't really pay for the restless travels. But it, it's more the shipping of the equipment uh, from venue to venue and setting things up for live TV. Doing everything from the Amway Center. You, are, you don't have to pay sort of like everything's already set up for you to go every time you go in there um and of course you're letting go a lot of people have have, have certainly helped about that and the tv deals are still in effect to kind of help them uh, bump up the things and also as we've now learned they have signed deals with netflix for this vince mcmahon documentary which we'll uh, get into in a minute but the first thing that really uh, that jumped out to me about this is them talking about the network network was network subs are up Again, actually, year on year, they're up 6% year on year, 1.6 million paid, which is it's not the highest they've ever been, but it's certainly it's higher than they have been in a while. And back in February, Vince McMahon on an investor's call talked about how they were not selling the network, but they were certainly looking to 
get rid of the network in a sense and kind of like because the the network was the the project of michelle wilson and george barrios who vince mcmahon then let go and they wanted the network he didn't really want it so they're looking for other ways around this and the chief revenue officer nick khan said on the investors call last night even with the potential partners impacted by covid 19 so that's the deals they were looking to do back in february Conversations have resumed for alternative strategic options to our current model. We've currently, um, excuse me, we're currently unable to estimate when that alternative option will be completed, but we still believe in the potential for a transaction that enables WWE to reach a larger audience and realize a greater economic return. Everything outside of a sale of the network is what we're looking at. So it would be licensing of the network. We are now in constant dialogue with companies domestically and globally about potentially licensing the network to them. So in sort of like layman's terms, that is selling the content that you've got on the network to places like Amazon Prime or Netflix or Hulu or, you know, so that, and, and I, I think what Nick Khan, the relation to Sony is, is talking about there is right. Like that is probably like the, the network is good, but it's limited to your audience that you've already got. It sort of keeps it keeps it in a bubble per se. And mm. see, I like the idea of actually licensing it, licensing it out because for a second you think, oh, maybe it's not such a great idea to have everything all over the place. And now, obviously, we don't know the details of that since it doesn't seem like they've actually landed something yet. It sounds to me like they're still in talks with certain companies. So I like this idea because again, this is an opportunity for for people that are maybe not wrestling fans or maybe they were wrestling fans, but then they sort of fell out to sort of get back into it and so it is very surprising that they're looking at licensing this out at the same time i think it works too because i think one of the things that we have been seeing with wwe throughout the years is that they are open to at least trying several different things hence partnerships with you know all of these different companies like the partnership they had not maybe this is not the great example but like the partnership they had with tout even like they're yep. they tend to partner up with different companies to see what they can offer and obviously their more recent one the one with with Netflix. So uh, I think this is kind of exciting. I mean, I don't know if anything's going to come about it or when it's going to come of it, but we'll see. You uh, you gave me horrific flashbacks there to Michael Cole telling me, hey, get your videos in. They're called Touts. Uh, I don't know why <laughs> Tout was the first thing that popped into my mind. They've done so many other partnerships, but no, Tout was the first <laughs> thing that popped into my mind. <laughs> I was seriously listening to a podcast that was reviewing the 1000 episode of Raw when they did Raw 1000. And that was like a heavy tout based episode because they were desperate for people to get touts in. And the touts that they showed were awful. And the theory was that was all of them. Like that, they didn't, they didn't select from like the touts that they got. There was like, well, we've only been sent five. So these are the five we're going to have to put on. I never downloaded tout. I don't even know what it really was, to be honest. <laughs> I don't think anyone did. Um, so yeah, I think this is interesting. And it's, I, I, was, I was curious to get your thoughts on this. So say, for example, WWE, they've, they've clearly got a, a relationship and a dialogue going with Netflix, which we'll get into in, in just a bit. But say they strike up this licensing deal with Netflix. So you're a Netflix user. You're paying your eight quid, I think it is, like for- The price went up, actually. I forgot what I the numbers it. are, but the prices went up for Netflix. They just announced it like recently. <gasps> Man. Yeah. I don't even know what I'm paying for Netflix as it currently is, let alone what I'm now paying for. It. I'm not paying for my account, so <gasps> I just shush on by. <laughs> Beyonce pays for it. <laughs> so I just don't say anything. Man, it doesn't affect me. My parents use mine. Um, <laughs> Do they really? 
Yeah, I gave them my login and then forgot about it. So yeah, they've just had it. And they've also got my Amazon Prime account and then they keep renting movies. And the only reason I know they no. rent movies is because I get the bill for it. No. I get an email being like, like, you have been charged $3.99 for the rental of this movie. Don't I'm like, what? Mom! <laughs> they like, add up to movies. I know they do. No, they do. I know they've done a lot for me. And they've given me so much money, like to, to help me during like difficult financial periods. But stop renting three pound movies, mother. Oh my god, three pounds. That's probably like what? Like, I don't know, like I don't know how much five that is, bucks, but I think like five dollars here, maybe. Okay, yeah, that's that's that, that's yeah. a lot. That's about the average price. Yeah. Yeah. No, that adds up. Five dollars here, three dollars there. Eventually you're gonna have like a three hundred dollar bill. Thanks, mom. But you know what? They brought you into this planet, Luke. They did. You know, I can't really, you know, and she's a nurse with the NHS at the moment. So I can't really be mad at her. Uh, but anyway, that's that's by the by. Um, so say you've got your Netflix account that you're paying for and WWE strike up this licensing deal for pay-per-views to go onto Netflix at an extra price on top. So you know how like Disney did it with Mulan, like with the Mulan premiere thing, where it's like, well, you've got your subscription here, but if you pay this extra amount, you pay your 30, 30 bucks or whatever it was, you get Mulan as well. Do you think that Netflix and WWE would strike up a partnership? Or do you think it would just be, if you've got Netflix, you can just watch the pay-per-view live as part of your subscription? Okay, so I'm thinking about this in terms of, for me, I mean, Depending on the price, because I know when Disney did it, I think they were charging like $30 for Mulan, right? So right. I wasn't necessarily going to pay that much money when I already have a subscription to, you know, their app. So that is not going to help me whatsoever. In terms of it would make more sense just to pay the $9.99 for the network and get the pay-per-views on there instead of having to pay a separate fee on top mm -hmm. of what I'm paying for with yeah. um, with Netflix, because I have Netflix, obviously, and the WWE Network. So I think for somebody like me, it wouldn't be a good idea. For somebody that maybe is that doesn't know anything about wrestling or doesn't have the network, doesn't want to pay a monthly fee, and just wants to randomly watch some random pay-per-view, okay, then I get that. But in terms of like people like us that have the subscription to both of these, I don't think so. But you know what would be a good idea? is if they were to do a bundle. So I don't know if you've gotten like the emails for this type of stuff, but I have like, oh, you get, you pay for six months of Hulu, you get Spotify for half off. Like little mm. things like that. I've been seeing different companies sort of team up and do things like that. So that would be sort of cool. It's kind of like, oh, you get, you know, your Hulu account, right? You're paying for Hulu. Then you know what? We're going to add the WWE network on top of that for only $5. So you're paying half the price of what the network is. So I think something like that would be an incentive yeah. because there's been so many times where I necessarily didn't want to sign up to something, but because they did those bundle deals, I thought to myself, well, this is a great price. I'm going to go ahead and do it. And I'm on some of those bundle deals. So, so I know of yeah. them. Yeah, no, I, I think you might be on something though, because like I've my I just recently got a new phone contract, and with that I got six months of Disney Plus uh, for free, like as part of my bundle deal. So I got to cancel my I didn't even have to cancel it. Like Disney Plus just recognized that I've got the same address, and because they got the deal with O2, then it was just like, oh, we're just switching over. So your your current deal is on hold for six months while you have this free period, and then we'll just resume you being charged again, which is ace for me. So yeah, I, I, I can certainly see them going down that sort of route. Because the but the question then becomes like if you are if the pay-per-views are just on Netflix. 
for example, if the pay-per-view is just gone Netflix, so come Survivor Series, just using that as an example. Survivor and not Series on the is, network? And it, but yeah, but it's also on the network. Oh, okay. that, that was my point. Because like, if they're not getting rid of the network, if they're not selling the network, if it's on both places because they're trying to reach a new audience, I'm going to look at that being like, well, why am I keeping the network? Like, I don't need the network anymore because I've got my Netflix subscription. And I know there's like a bunch of other content on the network, but I mean, I'll be honest with you. I haven't watched any of it in like ages. I don't watch 24. I don't watch 365. I don't watch, uh, I, I, I use, watch the classic pay-per-views. But then I can, I can get some of that with the free network version, I think. So I would probably, in that scenario, probably look to cancel my network subscription because I can just get the pay-per-views on Netflix. See, but it depends. See, and I'm totally opposite of that. Like, I watch all the documentaries. I watch a lot of their content. I go back and watch certain pay-per-views and just, like, stuff like that. And I know that there's a lot of people. I, I put out recently on Twitter, I put out, like, a what should I watch on the network thing? And I couldn't believe how many comments I got where people were like, you should watch this. This is the last thing I watch. And people go way back. Like, people are watching. Like, things that you may think, oh, people aren't probably watching this on the network. No, they really are. So it is kind of interesting to see how many people actually utilize the network and watch their backlog of shows. So I do think that obviously it depends on the person because I do see your point. If I'm somebody who's not going to really go back and watch all that stuff, then, hey, I will not get the network and I will just do my Netflix subscription and kind of make decisions based off of that. But again, I think it does depend on the person. I think it. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right on that one. And you're speaking of documentaries. One of the, I'd say the big thing that they announced on this quarterly call is that we are getting a Vince McMahon documentary uh, on Netflix. Uh, Khan said, in a groundbreaking deal, we've sold a multi-part documentary with Netflix on the life of none other than our very own Vince McMahon. By groundbreaking, I mean one of the highest budgeted documentaries in Netflix's history. Bill Simmons, as previously mentioned, will executive produce. He was the man behind the Andre the Giants uh, documentary. Uh, and he adds Chris Smith, the amazing director of Netflix's Fire Festival documentary, will direct alongside WWE Studios. So this is huge. This is this very, because like, I, I loved that Fire documentary. I thought it was uh, it I was did awesome. too so so cool right and that andre doc is amazing so this has got a big big pedigree behind it um what are your thoughts on on a vince mcmahon documentary okay so first of all i'm excited because i know we're already getting the movie and i feel like we might have talked about this like in a, a few episodes ago i was already excited for the movie but i always wanted a documentary and i think for a while like when we were seeing all the 30 for 30s coming out i remember thinking like when are they going to do one like on Vince? And I think there was like some talks or some rumors that I had heard about something like this happening and, but nothing really came to fruition at all. So when this sort of came out, I was like, yes, this is awesome because Netflix, it's such a, such a streaming giant. Okay. It's crazy. And the thing about Netflix is that when they put out a documentary, you don't necessarily have to be a fan of what the thing, what the, what the subject is or what the topic is of the documentary. People love to watch things that are new on Netflix or just because they have the Netflix branding, they are willing to give it a try. And this is one of the things that I've noticed where people that I talk to, they're like, oh yeah, I watched this documentary. And I'm like, you don't even know anything about that. And they're like, oh yeah, well, it's a documentary. And I see myself doing the exact same thing. And so I feel like having a documentary on Netflix is a big deal just because of the fact that they have such a large reach and people are actually willing to watch 
said documentaries. And right now they're so popular too. And the thing, okay, so a lot of people are like, oh, well, you know, WWE Studios is going to be involved. So it's probably not going to be that good. And I get all of that. But I do think that Netflix also has a reputation to uphold in terms of actually satisfying their or trying to satisfy their viewers and keep their reputation of, hey, we put out good stuff out there. And people know that they're going to be so criticized if things aren't factual or, you know, things are sort of glossed over or whatever it is it may be. So I do think that they are going to be cognizant of that. And I don't know if maybe I'm just like, oh, I have high hopes for this. But I think the fact that there's people from Netflix I have a feeling that they are going to help incorporate and actually make this a really good documentary. And I have yet to see a bad documentary on Netflix. Like even the ones that weren't that great, were still really good. So <laughs> I have pretty good hopes for this and I'm excited for it. Yeah. I mean, the, you, you, you hit the nail on the head there when you said that uh, people on, watching Netflix will tend to watch documentaries and about things that they're not particularly interested in, especially if a lot of people are talking about it online. For example, I had no idea what Fire Festival was. Like I'd, I'd never heard of it. Me either. I, I, I hadn't heard of it whatsoever. But I, I saw a lot of people talking about the documentary online. So I was like, oh, I'll give this a go. Uh, I had to take my car in for its MOT and I had to wait like seven hours. And I was, so I was just in the pub and I was like, oh, I'll just take the wife and I'll watch it. And I was like, hooked. And I was like, this is absolutely, this is amazing. And I think you could get that same thing with a Vince documentary. I am concerned about the WWE Studios' involvement in this. Concern's a strong word. I've got mixed feelings on it. Because when I think to like the great wrestling documentaries that really dive into the wacky, wacky, crazy world the wrestling is, I'm thinking it's wrestling with shadows, it's beyond the mat, it's dark side of the ring. And those three don't have involvement with wwe beyond the mat did until they tried to get it banned because they realized that it's not a great portrayal of them wrestling shadows was a bret hart thing so they got access by uh, through brett and dark side of the ring is very clearly not endorsed by wwe in fact aew have been trying to sort of like get in there to be like hey we're the cool company that are going to sort of help you out and support you on this and then i i kind of think about the wwe studios uh, the, the one that springs to mind is Ruthless Aggression, which was fun. You know, it was a fine documentary. But there was a moment in that documentary where they said, we changed the name from WWF to WWE as a strategic move to go in a new yeah. direction. And you're like, BS, mate. You were getting sued. You were getting sued by the panda people. You had to change it because you kept breaking the rules <laughs> of the deal you made. So you I don't what I don't want this to be is this a fluff piece like I don't want it to be this sort of like watered down I want this to be if we if we're doing a documentary on Vince McMahon I I want it to be like a, a warts and all style documentary you don't have to go into you know covering up murders and, and things like that with snooker and stuff but i want to watch i was thinking that exact yeah. same topic right? i was like well if they're going through his life and his career they don't have to go through that jimmy snooker story <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and then and like, you said it <laughs> I go through like this, you know, the steroid trial and things like that. Like I want warts and all. I want like I think a big tell from this, and I noticed this because I, I just saw him talking about this on on Twitter. Bill Simmons um, contacted uh, Dave Meltzer, who you know helped a lot during the Andre the Giant documentary in terms of sort of like archive and sort of like giving context and stuff. If Meltzer is on this documentary, that is when you'll know that this is Netflix, it's Simmons, it's Smith who want to make this real story. I think if Meltzer is not a part of this documentary, that is going to be, okay, this is a sanitized WWE product. 
Right, exactly. And I think we've seen that because I know we've been seeing that with Dark Side of the Ring. I know that they didn't want him on some of those parts. And it's kind of like, all right, well, that doesn't make any sense. Because at this point, like, when it comes to that, when it comes to the history, there really isn't anybody that can touch Dave when it comes to that. So I agree with you 100%. But then at the same time, I'm like, man, like, will will something like that happen? I don't know. Because again, we do have the incorporation of WWE Studios. And, you know, they do have a lot they do have a lot of say. They mm-hmm. really do. Yeah. So um, I'm interested, though, to really I see. I I'm excited for it. I can't help yeah. but to be excited for this documentary. So maybe it's my fan side coming out, whatever it is. I'm excited for it. And if it sucks, I hope it doesn't because I really do want to see us. I really want to see a real story into Vince McMahon. And I want to see what kind of footage they're going to be showing, what kind of clips, if he's going to come out on camera, obviously I'm I'm assuming he's going to come out and talk and, you know, tell people about whatever story they're telling. So it is going to be interested, interesting to see even just him talking about his life in that way and what he did with WWE and what focus they're really going to take from this. Like they they I think they sort of mentioned like his, his, his like career, his timeline or whatever. I think that's the general idea that I got from this, but it's like, okay, well you can go into so many different directions even with that. So it is going to be interesting to see uh, which direction they take. And they also said that it was a multi-part documentary. Mm -hmm. So I'm wondering like one episode, two episodes, it's going to be like an eight series. What is it? How long? So I'm, I'm excited to find out the details. Yeah, I'm excited. I'll be honest with you. I'm excited about this as well. And the reason why I'm excited is, as you mentioned earlier, this isn't a network documentary. If this was a network documentary, I'd probably be less enthused. But it's a Netflix documentary. So like that's that's got me interested. Like that has piqued my interest. So I am really curious to see what comes next of this. before we get into the mailbag, let's briefly talk about the great news for NXT this week. Beat AEW in the ratings for the first time since July, which I think, I, I mean, I, I was certainly expecting. I think a lot of people were expecting this week. It was the Halloween Havoc episode. They had really stacked up the card to, you know, to put on a special show, which they delivered in spades. It was a cracking episode of NXT. I think it's one of the best episodes they've done in quite a while as well. Uh, the episode averaged 876,000 viewers on the USA Network, which is up nearly 19% from the previous week, while Dynamite uh, averaged 781,000, which is also up uh, nearly 4% from the previous week. AW won the all-important 18 to 49 demographic uh, as per, but yeah, NXT won the overall viewership. So, I mean, really, really good week for, for NXT. I agree with what you said in terms of NXT. This was really by far their best show in a very, very long time. And when I was doing my recap for this, I was like, this was a reminder that when WWE puts in the effort and puts in, you know, gets really creative and they have the talent accessible to them, they are able to deliver an amazing show. And this was a reminder of that. It was a great show. I loved it. I love the fact that we got some really great quality matches. We got some progression for storylines. We got cinematic stuff. We got the quirks that you would expect from Halloween Havoc, something that you want because it's supposed to be a fun show. And I'm not surprised that they won the ratings war this week because if they didn't, that would have been really bad considering that they really, really promoted this. So I'm so I'm not surprised whatsoever. Yeah, no, I'm actually not surprised. Uh, and I think it came at the right time as well because then the quarterly report, someone was like, you know, let's can we talk about the ratings? Like, hey, NXT, just be AEW. So uh, great news for them. They're like, oh, cool. Ratings, all the past are <laughs> ratings are fine, you guys. 
A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Do you like quizzes? Do you like wrestling? Do you like watching self-professed experts in their fields being exposed as dangerous frauds? Then you'll love Quizzle Mania, brought to you by Parts Funknown, the team behind acclaimed wrestling RPG No Rolls Barred. Join us every week as four wrestling pundits pit their knowledge against each other in a cerebral wrangle for prizes, glory, and a bit of good old-fashioned escapism. Enjoy the videos live every Wednesday on Parts Funknown's YouTube channel, or subscribe right now to have them beam straight to your mobile device. Quizzlemania, it's the showcase of the Immorons. Uh, right, let's dive into your Patreon mailbag questions. If you want to submit a question to the mailbag, myself and Denise, become a backer on Patreon at any dollar amount. Just leave a comment in the community tab, labeled mailbag, and uh, uh, there. Now, don't email me because I will just lose it. Bad at my job. Um, we didn't get to everyone's questions last week. We're going to try and get to as many of them we can this week. We've got another packed, packed mailbag. Thank you all so much for your questions. Uh, o to the B um, says, do you think uh, that going from the extremes of working matches almost every night to working five-minute TV matches once a week could have caused a bit of ring rust that would explain the recent increase in injuries? I would say yes. Because, well, see, if you're having like what, like four matches a week and now you're having just one, your body is healing 
at the same time, but at the same time, your body's not also, you know, keeping the momentum that it might be used to. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that could certainly be, yeah, there might be something to that. I think wrestlers have always said as well that, you know, like if you're not working, then it's hard to kind of like, and particularly in WWE at the moment, because if you're not on, like sometimes you're not even on TV, you know, you're just on main event or you're just sat in catering. So it's even longer uh, between your next match. Um, they, they also ask, um, as the companies always like to keep uh, couples on the same brand, could the admission of Andrade uh, be a way of hiding where Charlotte is going to make a sudden appearance? But we know Charlotte's on Raw. Like she was part of the draft. So yeah, I don't, yeah, so I don't know why you'd want to keep. I I literally just think they, they forgot about him. They didn't know what to do, so they just. That's <laughs> terrible, isn't it? Just but like, there's absolutely no reason for it. If, if they wasn't go back to NXT, because apparently he's just staying on Raw. Well, there was somebody. God, who was it? I was just talking about this like several weeks ago on Raw. That I think Vince just forgot that they were even on the roster, and that's why they weren't appearing. I forgot who it was, though. Oh my God, I was just talking about this. Some somebody will remind <laughs> me afterwards. But it was just one of those things where it's like, what happened to this person? Oh, they just forgot that they were on the roster or something like that. Um, what's it? Okay, so. In terms of this, though, at this right now, that doesn't really matter in terms of being in different rosters because they're not traveling. So it's not really a big deal right now. And I don't think they're going to be traveling for the foreseeable future. No, I don't think so either. Uh, Peter Mullins says, AEW come under a lot of flack for their mandatory, uh, mandatory women's segment of doing air quotes for podcast listeners. Uh, as I said last time, my academic background is in social issues, and I'm glad that Rust Talk encourages talking about rather than burying these important topics. Considering AEW have a new show in the works, which was confirmed not to be dark, what do you think of this entire show being given to their female wrestlers? Not as a second show, but as an equal to Dynamite with the same commentary, production, etc. Would you consider this to be empowerment to those athletes or segregation of them? I'm genuinely uncertain. Dynamite is basically a segregated male show anyway, but other five minutes to promote heels. I would love to get your opinion on this, especially from Denise. Okay, so first of all, they're in no position to start a new show with just the women because unfortunately they don't have the talent, they don't have what they need to put on a second show. And start off with making a, a meet with putting together a meaningful feud for the women on your main show AEW Dynamite now let's just say that they had all of these great women whatever and they could do a second show uh I personally see it more as segregation versus versus it being something you know of its own entity of empowerment I prefer for it to be men and women on one show because I, I don't like the idea of just having things separated. I think it does less. I mean, if it's something like of a special, like if you're doing, you know, like an evolution, but AEW's version, okay, that's perfectly fine. But I don't necessarily think that they should be separated. Yeah, I agree. I um, We've had this before where people have suggested that you just put all, in WWE, for example, you put all of the women onto one brand. And I was like, well, then that just makes them a gimmick then. Like that makes them just, uh, oh, you have, we've transferred the entire hardcore division over to your brand. Like it, 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 for me, it doesn't sit well. And I think AEW's got the infrastructure to do it at the moment. When Impact were talking about it, you know, sort of 10, 12 years ago, whatever it was, when their knockouts division was beating out their men's division in terms of rating, they were talking about putting on a show that made sense at that point because women's wrestling wasn't highlighted as much as it is now 
um but i don't think it i don't think they would do it now i don't think that uh, impact because i think impact would just look at it and be like why would we put them all on their separate show when we can just highlight them all on the same show and we can make everyone better and i think that's what AEW kind of need to do in the in, like uh, karashida's found herself again in a two-week feud where it's just like oh i'm gonna face not a rose for the title why like you know, oh, just be, just because it made no sense whatsoever and i i went on an entire rant about this on on my after show oh, and it was I heard. Oh, <laughs> did, did you really <laughs> no but like it was just so ridiculous and i didn't even get to that part i didn't even get to the part of hey oh you're having a match with nyla i went on like 20 minute rants and i didn't even get to that part it was just it was really it was ridiculous honestly and i feel bad because i mean we're seeing so many companies like impact and wwe just such a great job with the women's with women's wrestling so it yeah i'm yeah. not gonna get into that all over again oh dude i know like i, I said this in the aw review yesterday but like the storyline is nyla nyla rose has said she is not having another match unless she gives her a title shot like why did she, why was she to give her a title shot like what skin it what that's Nyla making a rod for her own back. It's like, what does it matter to Sheeta if Nyla never wrestles again? Like, what does it matter? It to makes her? no sense. And I, I feel the same way when they did the stipulation for the Bucks and FTR, where it's like, oh, if we don't win this week, we're never challenging for the tag belts again. And I'm like, no, guys, don't do this. We already saw this with Cody. It didn't work. Why are we doing it again? And that sort of reminds me like what you just mentioned right now with Sheeta and Nyla. It just doesn't make sense. Uh, Ket says, uh, Kane has been a part of a lot of terrible storylines. Which Kane storyline do you think is the worst? There's one uh, answer, Luke. We have to have <laughs> an answer for this one. I mean, I don't know, dude, because I think there could be two. It, it's either Katie Vick, right? Or it's the leader storyline. Like, it's uh, for me, and I think it's the leader storyline is way worse. You think that one was worse? I think it's the Katie Vick one. My second one would be the leader one, too, though. Oh, yeah, that leader one. I mean, it's it's... It was bad at the time, but like in hindsight, it's dreadfully terrible. Like the Katie Vick stuff is rubbish, but it was just like, it was hokey, stupid rubbish. And like, it's not helped by that Triple H uh, segments. But yeah, like, I don't know, the punting the baby into the crowd and everything like the, it wasn't my yeah. fault. Like it's, it is, oh, it were bad. It was bad. Yeah, no, it was horrible. So I, I'm gonna give my vote to the Katie Vic. I rather, I rather, I rather see the baby being thrown into the crowd than what I saw go down with Katie Vic. <laughs> uh, Mark Jones, hey guys, longtime fan of the show. I've uh, been a patron for a while, but I'm posting my first question. Recently, Paul Heyman hinted at potentially managing Ronda Rousey. With that in mind, do you think we could ever see a Heyman family stable similar to something like the Heenan family? And if we did, would it work? Or would it be like the last time we did this and it was uh, Heyman managing Lesnar, Curtis Axel, and Ryback? Personally, I'd love to see it, but I'm skeptical about it. I'm not sure that WWE could pull it off again, given their track record of creating new stars in recent years. Yeah, I mean, I, I think with Paul, with Roman at the moment, that you don't need, I don't think you need extra people in that stable. Like, because like Roman is the head of that stable. Like Paul Heyman is just there. Like he doesn't feel like he, like he is just a part of it. He is not the head of that stable. That is Roman's position. So I think it's not the time to be doing it now, certainly. 
I agree with you. Not the time to do it right now, but if they were to do it, let's just say they were, I think they would just have to, I think they could do it considering that Paul Heyman is very, very creative and very good in this type of role, but he has to be with the right guys or with the right women or whoever would be in this stable. It would just have to be the, the right circumstances. Yeah, I mean, as we saw, it did not work when it was Curtis Axel and Ryback. Like, it's just, you can't just say, uh, actually, I'll throw Cesaro in there as well. You can't just throw lads at Paul Heyman and be like, you're a Heyman guy now, because it's got to be the right person. And in hindsight, we see it now, right? It makes mm -hmm. some sense. Like, who, why would you think this? Like, this wasn't even good on paper. Uh, I put the ass in Cerebral Assassin, says. Uh, I'm a big NXT fan. The only one, it seems. Uh, that's their... <laughs> Uh, writing not mine uh, in memoriam of wrestle talk nxt podcast i'd like to ask what are your favorite nxt moments since moving to tv personally i'd ask say it was ripley toppling Shayna back in december or Balor turning on gargano much love to both you keep me going during these rubbish times favorite moments of nxt in the usa network era I had the same one too about Bal Bal Finn Balor and Johnny Gargano. I had the exact same one. Uh, but so since he already took that one, I'm going to give a recent one. And it was from last night. And I'm going to say that I just really, really, really liked uh, the Io Shirai Candice LeRae match. I thought it was awesome. I thought it was match of the night. I even voted it above the Kenny, the Kenny Penta match, which was really hard because they were that match was phenomenal as well but i just really enjoyed this match but recently that one but overall i would go with the finn one as well yeah instantly when i saw this question it was it was Balor turning on gargano because it, that really felt like such an impact like you know as, as your debut episode as well and actually someone like recently sorry something in my other something someone recently posted it again on twitter like the video of it and it's so perfectly done like the pele kick is so beautifully executed and then the unspeed era beat down of champa it's just really really good the other thing i will go for because it really took me by surprise is um the debut of imperium on nxt like it was something i just i did not expect and that uh, that was when i was like oh cool like imperium on nxt that's really awesome because like that is a group that's got so much potential that should be way bigger than just being on nxt uk so that really really got me excited and I'll also give a shout out to any segment between Matt Riddle and Pete Dunne, particularly them trying to like get to uh, get to take over and like going on Triple H's plane and stuff. I thought all that was great. By the way, did you expect Pete Dunne to give the chair a shot to Kyle O'Reilly? Because I did. Uh, and well, someone said they saw it coming. And I was right. like, what? Yeah, I, th I think like when yeah kind of in a way and not but i think i was just more surprised that pete was there because i, I don't think i was because pete dunn's been doing stuff with nxt uk i just figured he was just going to be back with nxt uk we're not exactly in a position at the moment where people are traveling back and forth between countries so i, I just i did not expect pete to be there so that's what took me by surprise oh he looks great too he does. I, I bloody love Pete. Uh, Frank Botello says, thoughts on the new Animaniacs trailer on Hulu? Oh, okay. I mean, I'm a big, big Animaniacs, Mark. So I I, it, was it. My, <laughs> it was one of my favorite shows when I was a, as a kid. And it's cool that it's the exact same voice cast. I think the animation looks really nice. I am holding on to reservations. So I've seen a full episode of it before. I but the trailer did make me laugh on a couple of occasions. So I am excited to see this. Um, I really hope that it is yeah, I don't want to just like be like, oh, I hope it's the Animaniacs of old, but I hope it's still got that passion of the Animaniacs of old, as opposed to just being, it is Animaniacs, but again. Hulu does great programming, so I think your show is going to be in good hands. 
Good. Uh, <laughs> Philip O'Reilly says, hey, team Danuke, listening to Denise all upset about Y2J being fired reminds me when I cried because my hero, Kurt Angle, joined the Alliance. My question is, what was the moment you realized that wrestling was fake? Denise, did you cry to your parents about Y2J being fired? Keep up the great work. I kept it to myself. I just went into my room and I prayed. <laughs> that was it. So I'm really embarrassed at like how late I found out that wrestling was fake. And I'm really embarrassed by that because I didn't really like know until I was like, 15. <laughs> oh, wow, it was, really? It was because of my boyfriend. He was the <laughs> one who told me. He was like, Denise, you, you, you like, no, that's not real, right? And I was like, well... <laughs> Uh, and I lied too. I lied to him and I was like, oh yeah, yeah, I knew that. And then afterwards I was like, oh, dun, dun, dun. <laughs> like the glass shattered in my brain. I was like, what? And I mean, a lot of things didn't make sense to me, but I think I chose to ignore the obvious signs. Like I just was like blind to that. Like I was blind to like all my senses were saying, Denise, this is not real. But I was like, no, I'm accepting it for what it is. <laughs> so it took am- me a long time. I never had that moment, unfortunately, because like when I was getting, yeah, I've been talked about before on the show, like wrestling was a banned substance for me as a child. But even like when I knew of wrestling, I'd already been told that it was fake. Like I'd already been told that it's like the, you know, from the offset of like, if you're going to, like, this is not like real. So I never had that sort of like childhood wonder of it being real. I've never been in the kayfabe world. I've always just been, you know, introduced to it as this is not real. That was my whole life. I lived in kayfabe for like, years <laughs> um Ram, hey nice to see you back Abraham. it's been a while uh, he even says it's been a while since i've asked a question on here because i've been exhausted by wrestling i think we all have i can't really think of a question so i just wanted to check in and see how you guys are doing i'm doing very well mate it's very very nice to hear from you and uh, yeah i've been very good celebrate my anniversary this weekend uh, this week, saw. by the way oh, i yeah. loved your wedding pictures they were oh, so, pretty. so pretty so yeah. pretty it was a really, really good day. We got very lucky. It was the last good day of the year in terms of weather. Like it was raining up until that point that it had a nice one day and then it rained again uh, for the rest of the year. So we got very, like very autumn like very fallish. I love very that. Very autumn. Yeah. Which is why we want to get married because this is like, this is our favorite time of year. So yeah, it was a, it was a lovely, lovely day. And we had a very nice evening, had a, a big Indian feast from a, a local takeaway and watched episodes of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. It was brilliant. And you miss Quizzlemania too. I did. I know I miss Quizzlemania. <laughs> I actually forgot it was on. Like it was only until I know it was only as I was going to bed. I suddenly thought, so what is oh Quizzlemania's on, isn't it? I'll just have a quick check in just to see how it's going. I can't believe it. And it was funny because um I think they made a mention that I think the the mod mother uh who mm-hmm. does who does the moderate the moderation for your guys' chat, she said that. She had to work on her anniversary and you took the day hey, off. No, that was her choice. Like that was we didn't like we didn't make her work on her no. anniversary. That was her decision. When I heard that, I was like, of course, because us women, we are held to a different standard oh, standard. Denise. We have to show up to work on our anniversary. Denise. <laughs> And I was like, if it was, I was like, think about it, think about it. If a guy takes off, takes off the day off to go on his anniversary, he's a great guy. He's an awesome husband, man. Good for him. If a woman takes a day off for her anniversary, it's like, oh, she's really gonna take the day off for her anniversary. <laughs> There's two I, different, two different expectations. 
so feeling about the curtain somewhat like i saw so the conversation i had with my wife about this because we realized like coming up to our anniversary we we're like oh it falls on a wednesday that would be a quizzlemania day as well um we had been working on like you know uh the hollywood guests that we were looking to do and the two that were close but no cigar were david arquette and macaulay colkin and like those were the ones that we were reaching out to arquette we came the closest to and my wife's uh, words were if it's arquette or McCulkin, you should do Quizzlemania. If it's just Louis, don't bother. Like if it's just Louis and Sean, then don't worry. <laughs> like if it's Louis and Sean, I'd really prefer it if you just hung out with me instead on our anniversary. I hope Sean knows that he was the B plan. He was the he was the backup, <laughs> the backup of the backup. Hey, I mean it's a pretty good backup. Like if we can't get our cat, then I suppose you get Sean. <laughs> oh my god, that's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Nugget. Did you see did you see Louie coughing up a storm just because he bit uh, a spicy chicken from Dude. from from KFC? I was so mad at him because he told me in the morning, like, I'm I'm ordering KFC for the first time today. Like, I'm ordering it at lunchtime for Quizzlemania. I'm like, dude, that's that's in like nine hours time. Why are you doing it cold? Like, order it just before the show starts. So you can at least have it hot. Don't have cold KFC. That's disgusting. Why did he though? It makes no sense. Like with bacteria just gonna grow throughout that man. Oh. I was dying though. That was hilarious. I have so many screenshots of Louis eating the <laughs> chicken more than I should. Uh, Luke Everson, uh, my question uh, for you both is about lame finishes to matches in general. Can you think of a wrestling match where you were really looking forward to seeing it that was undone by a terrible finish? A couple of examples uh, is Styles Nakamura, where it ended by them both kicking each other in the balls. The menu triple threat between Lynch, Rousey, and Flair uh, was a great match that wasn't really a pin. Uh, yeah, have you got any examples of this? Oh my God. Okay, so I had an answer, and then I just remembered the Styles and Nakamura one, and it just took me back. Well, that was awful. Yeah. Um, but I think my uh mine would probably be John Cena, Brock Lesnar, Extreme Rules, and I yes. believe it. Yeah, it was when Brock Lesnar, I think, had just made his return, and then just, John Cena pinned him. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Nuts. That was like, not that, good. Honestly, just so baffled. So, like un a mouth agape of just like you just beat him. Like he came back. And you just beat him. Like, where's the story here? Like, what do you do next? It took them a long time to recover Brock. Like, Brock didn't get his heat back until he destroyed Cena at SummerSlam. Uh, I, it was unbelievable that they did that. The other one that springs to mind for me is, is Team WWE Nexus, where it was like, I was I was really excited for that because I was like, Nexus is this cool new group. I'm really looking forward to seeing what they do. And then they just beat them. Just beat them. And I was like, well, well that's that group done then. You know Good what was luck, mine too? When retribution lost, I had so much hope for them. <laughs> I'm just kidding. For those who are listening in the audio <laughs> version, that was me being sarcastic. Owen for retribution. Uh, Duncan Chase says, as we know, WWE haven't made a decent top level star in a while. Roman is the new guy, but he isn't as well known as Cena. With that said, when do you think Cena's best year or years were? This is an interesting one because I I was not a Cena fan. I, I was a student when Cena was on top, like I was at university. So I was in my like late teens and my early 20s. I was not the target demographic and I did not get John Cena. I just thought he was this unlikable 
goofball and I, and I didn't like him at all. So I, my favorite senior years were actually have come much later on in life where I think senior has kind of lent into it. And I think his last couple of years have been terrific. I think he's done some great work, but yeah, I, those early door years of senior, I did not like at all. I have to be like twinning with you on this one because I wasn't a John Cena fan either at all. And you think I would. I was at that time when he was like really, really hot. I was, you know, a young female and a lot of the young females were very into John Cena and I never was at all. I was the person that was like booing him. And I don't think I appreciated John Cena until many, many years later. So yeah. I have to be in complete agreement with you on this one. Um, if you got the document open, you might be able to help me out with this next one because I believe is it Comestar? Is that is that correct? It says Hola Comestar. Hola Comestar. Yeah, you got it good. Okay, that's good. Okay, I'm pretty. Your Spanish is better than SRS's Spanish. <laughs> well, that's not hard. Um, I messaged you last week about, um, about how MG was that Denise uh, couldn't happy cry. Uh, well, in that case, it's a sad wrestling moment that made you cry the most. Doesn't count when a certain guy gets fired that you thought it was real, Denise. Uh, I remember I cried a lot on the Raw episode where Ric Flair got his farewell after Mania 24, even though I was only seven years old at the time. By the way, Denise, are your parents Latino? Both your first and last name could be from uh, someone here, uh, the Dominican Republic. Okay, so <laughs> yeah, I can't happy cry. Sad cry. I mean, I cried when like people died. So like, you know, all those episodes that were dedicated to someone. Oh, those ones. Oh, God, those killed me. Like those raws. Oh, those were so sad. But in terms of not deaf and just storyline, I cried. Oh, this was really bad. I actually cried when Kurt Angle left WWE when he retired. When, like the first time he left. Not retired. Not retired. Sorry. When he before he went to TNA. Right, I okay. cried when he left WWE the first time. That one, I was very, very depressed. But then in terms of actual storyline, I cried. Oh, I cried with Shawn Michaels, Ric Flair, when he when he uh, gave him the Sweet Chin music and right before he said I love you to him. Oh, mm -hmm. I, cried, I cried so hard in that one. Like my whole family saw me crying for that one. And then in terms of my background, I'm Mexican and my whole family's Mexican and but I was born here but my family was born when my mom was born here too but my grandparents were born in Mexico and my first name is actually French but my last name is definitely Hispanic well Latino it's Denise, it's Denise uh French is it a French name it's a French name yeah really? it, it means like no French wine or something I don't know I forgot Denise, I mean, I mean, obviously, I think your name is very, very lovely. I think you're a very lovely person. But Denise here in the UK is seen as almost a bit of a common name because it's a bit Denise. Wait, bit... Denise is common in the UK? Yeah, I feel like it's it's used like, because it's like an EastEnders thing. So like, I feel like it's used to be like, oh, you're a bit sort of like, oh, Denise. It, it's not it's not a uh, it's not a high class name. Wait, it's a, not a high class name or it's a high class not, name? No, it's not. A oh, my God. Name. I'm a peasant in the UK. <laughs> Wait, I've only met like three Denises in my entire life here. So like Denise is not a common name here at all. It's, okay, I mean, yeah, it, to be honest, it's not that common of a name here either. Certainly not now, because I don't think it's got to the, it, I think it's sort of East End has kind of ruined a lot of it for everyone. Um, but I think it's a great name. I think it's, I, I think it's time we brought it back. We, we I'm brought the peasant. name back. <laughs> I'm a peasant. No, I, I don't like my name. I, I tell my mom all the time and she's like, Denise, you hurt my feelings when you tell me that. Because <laughs> it sounds so dumb. It's like 
it's either the knees or duh knees <laughs> or the knees you know like knees niece and then duh duh knees duh, duh knees, knees. <laughs> <laughs> i'm telling you it's like such a I don't know. I don't know. Oh my god. I uh, I told my mom once I didn't like my name either, uh, which I don't think she'd really like. But she's bad. Yeah, because I, I was born in December, so they wanted to give me like a a, a biblical name, really. So like you know, I, that, I, it was either Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, and, and they picked Luke because they thought it was the nicest one. But I was like, I don't know, because I never knew anyone else. I've never met anyone else in my life that, that's had the same name as me. There was like one other kid at school that, that has my name, so that was like the first time I was like, oh, there's someone else with this name. I don't mind it now, like because it's it's just a two, you know. It's a, I've got a three syllable name. That's true. You're my first Luke. <laughs> I don't think I've ever known another Luke. <laughs> I always told people it was after Skywalker. Which, massive lie. Um, Rinny says, "Hey, Luke and Denise, this is my first ever mailbag as a Patreon. Um, uh, this is where I can ask a question. What's your favorite Nintendo game? Most uh, personally, mine is Legend of Zelda: Breath of the Wild. Such a good game with great graphics, beautiful scenery, and you can make meals. Oh, and it's good fighting. If you don't have a favorite Nintendo game, what's your favorite game in general? My favorite Nintendo game because this is the one I put the most hours into, and I spent so much time with my friends. Super Smash Brothers Melee on the GameCube. Holy hell, me and my my friends used to cut classes to go and play that together um i was i was oh i was not a good student and my my tell my, my wife my my wife and i joke about this a lot but yeah so it'd be sometimes where me and my friend would look at our like our schedule of classes and she'd be like oh, let's sack this off let's go around to graham's house and we'll go play smash brothers instead you were living the life of a rebellious video gamer i, I know right yeah it's probably why i didn't do very well at school either Oh my God. See, I wouldn't picture it at all. I felt like you would be somebody that would excel at school. Mm, no, oh no, I was very bad. I was very bad. I was even worse at university. Like I just, like at one point I just stopped going. I was, I was, I was really sad at one point because a girlfriend broke up with me. So I just like, I nearly failed my first year, which is almost impossible to do. You need to get like the bare minimum. And I nearly, nearly like flunked that after my first year because I just stopped going. Let me ask you a question. When you went to class, did you sit in the front or in the back? Oh, at the back, like because otherwise they, they, the teachers can't see you playing EWR if you're at the back. That is your first like... mistake, Luke. The second you sit in the back of your class, you're done. You're failing that class. <laughs> For anybody here who's watching our stream, as in, like if you're in high school or in college, the second you sit in the back, you're done. You've got to sit in the front. And I know this because I was a great student. But Denise, how am I going to make impact the biggest company in the world if I'm sat at the front of the class? I need to play EWR at the back. I need to book my no, angles. You need to pass your class. It's more important. I was a good student. I mean, like college, high school, not so much. Took me a while. Anyway, uh, do you have a favorite Nintendo game? No, because, well, <laughs> I don't, not much of a gamer. I played Grand Theft Auto a few times and I played some other game that I can't for the life of me even think of what it's called. And I played Manhunt one time, but Ooh, I'm not really that much of a gamer. Oh, I got it. I got it. The game I used to play all the time, Resident Evil. I was trying to remember. I was like, it started with an R, but I was going to say it's like something totally different. But it was Resident Evil. I used to play that with my cousin because he was a gamer and he wanted me to play a few times with him, but... Yeah, I kind of got into that the, one for a second. The violence of Denise Salcedo, Grand Theft like Auto, the Manhunt, and Resident Evil. My favorite thing in Grand Theft Auto to do is run over like the the, the girls that were like all like the hoochies, <laughs> the hoochies on the game. Oh, I love hoochies. to run them over. 
Is that bad? Is that awful? I don't know why. That was my favorite thing to do in that game. I never completed one mission. I just, just drove. I haven't heard that term in so long. Like, <laughs> I feel like I've only ever heard that in 90s rap songs. I think it's an, I don't know. <laughs> it's a two live crew. Hoochie Mama. She ain't nothing but a Hoochie Mama. Hook yeah, that, Hoochie Mama. Hoochie Mama. Yeah. Is that two live crew? terrible. Right so <laughs> anti-feminist. <laughs> And I'm a feminist. You know what? I haven't played in years. So that was a long oh, time ago. Geez. That really made me laugh. Uh, right. The American Dada said, what's your favorite guilty pleasure movie that you know is bad, uh, but you um, you make excuses for? For me, it's Double Dragon. It's post-apocalyptic. It's cyberpunk. It's martial arts. It's cheesy writing. It's 90s AF. P.S. Denise, don't take any bull S word from Izzy. Don't fall for that innocent preteen routine. She is HBK in Canada heel to the core. She wants to be Effie for my organization championship then threw the belt in the trash don't be afraid to put baby in the corner put baby in the corner <laughs> nobody puts baby in the corner <laughs> oh man izzy is hilarious but sean really put me on the spot there all right i was not about to be a 28 year old woman yelling at a young girl because we didn't agree on the same pop star that is not the headline i want <laughs> Izzy's no hooch. I'm not going to run her over. <laughs> oh my God. This has gone way out of line. This has oh, gone no. way out of line. That's what happens when we record so like It's early for me and it's late for you. The show just goes yeah. off the rails. <laughs> this is the best show ever. People have to oh start God. hashtagging it. Best uh, show ever. It's my favorite show of the week. Um, to answer your question uh, about guilty pleasure movies, uh, I. Ooh, I mean, dots are kind of still from sort of your answer. It is Super Mario Brothers, the the 1993 Super Mario Brothers movie. It it, it led me to write a book, like, and, and I absolutely adore that movie for all the right reasons, all the wrong reasons. I will watch it again and again and again, and I love it. It's not a great film by any stretch of the imagination, but I will make excuses for it. I haven't seen it, so I have no comments, <laughs> but I'm sure it's great. Um, mine oh, it, is... it, it's not. <laughs> mine is Rat Race. Did you ever watch that one? I love Rat Race. Yeah, with Rowan Atkinson. That film's Everyone great. hates that movie. Everyone that I know hates that movie. I love that movie. I think it's, My... I think it's pretty good. My favorite part is when, uh, oh God, I forgot his name, where he goes, I don't want to work at Home Depot. It kills me. It really kills me. Are you frozen? Uh, it... Yeah, I oh. think I'm back. Am I back now? Oh, yeah, you're back. You were just completely, perfectly still for a second. Yeah, I know. I just froze for a second now. Yeah, sorry. No, Rat Race is a great movie. I will go to bat for Rat Race uh, till the end of time. I think it's it holds up. It's got a smash mouth performance at the end, folks. How can you hate a movie like that? I love that movie. It's hilarious. Uh, right. God, we've got so many questions. We're running so much out of time. Robert Ray. Uh, uh, so this is just for Denise, but what is in your background? I've seen some wrestling figures and I think what looks like a collage of people you've interviewed. Are there any interesting stories uh, of any of the things you have on display? So I'll make a quick, just quick. Okay. So action figures here, Lucha mask here. You can kind of see my uh, Triple H King of Kings Halloween mask here. Collage of people I interviewed back there. Uh, Taylor Swift stuff here and i don't even know what's back there anymore but yeah <laughs> yeah it's very good there's actually if you figure for uh the resting observers youtube channel as the your debut video you go into great detail about uh what you've got behind you uh, so i did I, actually 
yeah, go check out that video because that has got a detailed description of what you can see it all in good detail as well. Uh, Alex Kirkman says, have you ever had any major wrestling result or story spoiled for you that really pissed you off? As a massive Jericho fan, imagine waking up on the Monday after the Vengeance pay-per-view where he won the first world title uh, to a text from your friend simply saying, I bet you're happy. I knew instantly what he meant and watched the entire pay-per-view knowing the result. Instead of being happy that he won his first world title, I was gutted and I had it sport for me. Uh, secondly, I'm listening to an old uh, episode of uh, WrestleTalk After Dark and I wondered what happened to Luke's Friends podcast idea. I think it's the best idea I've ever heard about anything. Get it done later, folks. So uh, I wanted to do a podcast reviewing every, every episode of Friends in uh, chronological order. And I thought it would well, be if you brilliant. ever do that, please sign me up for that. Well, I was going to say I could never find a co-host uh, to do it with. So I did a different podcast instead, reviewing a different show, which is why I'm and that's now my other side project. But yeah, there's always in the back of my mind is, is doing that Friends podcast. Well, if you ever do it, sign me up because I've seen Friends a million times and I don't mind rewatching all the episodes. <laughs> Well, I was going to say, I think that would be a really fun podcast to do with you. Yeah. Um, oh God, that'd be great. You know, okay, you uh, know when Chan really quick, you know when Chandler laughs, he does like like this. He scrunches yeah. up his nose. I went through a Chandler phase where every single time <laughs> I laugh, I did this, and I had to stop doing it because I was starting to get nose wrinkles. But for like the longest time, I would laugh like this, and that wasn't my natural like laugh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, i've got to laugh like chandler that's what i need to do to get ahead in life <laughs> uh, but have you ever had any wrestling uh results spoiled for you um so i'm actually really good at avoiding spoilers i didn't even know spoilers existed until like really late into my wrestling fandom because i didn't have a computer <laughs> so i was not on the internet reading cert like spoilers and so i was really good since then to never spoil anything for myself so i really haven't had anything major spoiler although you know what i did see when keith lee was going to become double champion and that was very recent so that should mm -hmm. tell you how good i am at avoiding spoilers yeah, I mean, that was actually one that I was I was kind of gutted about. Obviously, it was unavoidable given the job the, that I have that I, I couldn't not uh, see that bit of news. But I was gutted to learn it. It's like, I wish that had been on a live show where I couldn't have had that spoiled for me. Um, yeah, I don't think I've had anything that's like major where it's been spoiled. Like, I, I don't have a massive circle of friends outside of this job with a watch wrestling. Um, I've got one friend basically that watches wrestling. Uh, two actually were my old university housemate um but we don't really tend to text each other about results like i you know we text each other every now and again but like not the day after a show to be like what did you make of the show so yeah we don't really get into that period of time where people spoil things for me and if i want something not spoiled i am not going anywhere online like i i don't have any notifications on my phone anyway so i don't get like um youtube updates or anything like that and i just stay off social media just stay away from everything until i've watched the show then i'll go on and i'll, and I'll watch things I agree. Uh, Phoenix Wrestling referee Joseph Tyrrell says, recently I became a full-time referee for Phoenix Wrestling here in Cork Island, and there is some absolutely amazing talent. They're going to send some serious shockwaves through the wrestling world. Keep an eye out for Matt Skyler. Got me thinking, who's the first wrestler you loved before they became a known name, be it on the more mainstream indie promotions or for WWE AEW? That's a great question because I never thought about it. But the second I heard the question, it was Brian Danielson, for sure. Daniel yeah. Bryan, 100%. I was always a big fan of his. And there's so many other people like 
all like I remember like going to PWG in the early days and it was just like everybody that I saw on those cards is someplace now but I would definitely go with Brian Danielson yeah, I think I've I've said this uh, before for me. It's Keith Lee. Um, seeing him a lot here in the the, the UK indie scene and just being like, oh, this dude is going to be a star. And it was the, the the match with Ishii at Rev Pro was just absolutely incredible. And like, I, it, we got to the point where it's like me and Ollie just would not shut up about Keith Lee uh, on video episodes. When he's like, we went to a show and he just came up to us to be like, you know, thank you so much for for putting me over on your shows. Got to go for a drink with Keith Lee, and it was brilliant. It was one of the best nights ever. Wait, you got to go to a drink to have a drink with Keith Lee? I did. Yeah, yeah. It was me, Ollie, Keith Lee, and Matt Riddle. Uh, went for a drink after the show um and basically like uh, matt went off to, to i can't remember who he was talking to but he went off to, to talk to one of the other wrestlers so it was just me ollie and keith lee and avengers infinity war had just come out so we were basically just talking about that for for hours on end and it was the news had sort of started to like it was circulating that he had signed with wwe so like every now and again ollie would just go keith come on have you signed with wwe <laughs> i was wondering if you tried to get the scoop i was like you had the opportunity Ooh. Yeah, he was he was playing it very cool, but he very much he basically said, "Yeah, I have." That's <laughs> so cool. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, Nikolai, uh, I got thinking. What's your favorite Survivor Series match? Uh, mine is the almost hour long men's five on five 2016 Survivor Series. Uh, that was when the new brand split was just starting and working with KO and Jericho being best buds in the list. Braun Strowman being a sensation that works. Ambrose and AJ Styles, the mini Shield reunion, and the Viper and the family at the peak in play during the match. I even preferred it to that year's Goldberg return. Um, Yes, you are correct. This is a thinly veiled hint, hint, nudge to someone to suggest it for next month's extra podcast, Rust Talk Extra podcast, uh, because I'm out of budget uh, since there are COVID. Don't mix the question. It still stands. Um, yeah. Uh, what's my favorite Survivor Series match? Do you know what? I love the 2014 one, the one where Dolph makes like the Team WWE versus the Authority match where the Sting debuts. Like that match is terrific. So, so great. That's a good one. Oh, man. Dude, there's so many. All right. I think I'm going to go with I'm going to go with Brett Austin. I think that yeah. one really showed what Austin could really do and really kind of leveled him up to a main eventer status. So I would go with that one. Yeah. Very, very good. Uh, right, we've got time for, I think, for one more. Uh, Risa, just listened to the Hell in a Cell review and something Luke said in relation to some heat he got on Twitter for criticizing Miz winning the Money in the Bank contract. Got me thinking, unrelated. Uh, I agree, and I can see where Luke is coming from. What makes a comedy character in wrestling? We all agree that Otis, Orange Cassidy, Colt Cabana are comedy wrestlers, but when Luke says that the Miz is a comedy act because of the rap video he did with Morrison, I disagree. I did have to admit there was definite point there, but he started applying it to other wrestlers, Big E, MJF, Chris Jericho, Sami Zayn, uh, etc. I think it's when I say like comedy, like, you know, Otis and Orange Cassidy, yes, are comedy wrestlers. I think Miz is a comedy comedy goofball which is a slightly different like he is a he is a heel that you are not supposed to take seriously as a heel because he does I mean he acts like a dickhead and makes a rap video with John Morrison to build his feud with Braun Strowman going for the title that is more what I mean and I think MJF is also like and Jericho at the moment are comedy goofballs like they're heels but they're doing they're, they're singing my me in my shadow like it's, it's not something that you can be like oh they are a serious threat at, like at, the, at this point in time that's so there's, there's two kind of different levels to it there um and i don't think the miss should be holding the money in the bank contract in 2020 personally 
I agree with you. And I can't believe you got heat for that. But then again, people get heat for like the silliest things ever. So yeah. Um, but to add to that, I think the di- a really good example is like there's a difference between uh, somebody like The Miz and somebody like Orange Cassidy and then somebody like Toru Yanu. Completely mm-hmm. different. And I think when it comes to comedic wrestling, nobody does it like Toru Yanu. And I think that's more of like the style that I would prefer. Yeah, I, I'm I'm just going to get one last question in here because it is one that uh, really jumped out to me from Nick. Uh, so this is my last mailback question for a while. I wanted to ask something I've had in my mind since I first signed up to Patreon. It's a movie-based question. When it comes to remakes, there are two that come to mind that I fear are severely underrated. Nightmare on Elm Street and Robocop. Uh, with the first, I love Jackie Hell Haley, uh, Jackie Earl Haley's performance and felt that people didn't give him a fair shake due to him not being Robert Englund. Uh, the second, I, I feel like it's a deeper exploration of the corporate culture of the government, as well as the morality arguments between Michael Keaton and Gary Oldman's characters I thought were compelling. Having to like the black Robocop suit, felt people were whiny about the original colors being absent. Um, with that said, my question is, uh, which remake or remakes do you two think are criminally underrated? Or do you think my two picks, uh, or what do you think of my two picks? Uh, I am afraid to say, Nick, that I completely disagree. I think Nightmare on Elm Street, the remake of Nightmare on Elm Street, is terrible. It is a dreadful, dreadful movie. I, uh, I I saw it at the pictures when it came out. I went home and I had an hour-long rant to, who was then my friend, is now my wife. Because um, she was working with my housemate on a movie that we were making. I came back and I was like, oh my God, I've seen one of the legit worst movies I've ever seen in my life. Hated, hated with a passion, the Nightmare on Elm Street remake. Here's why. It is a movie that did not understand what the first movie was trying to do, but makes references to the first movie and the original series with no context of why they're doing it. For example, in Nightmare on Elm Street, I think it's four, um, they kill, he kills one of the teenagers who's on a waterbed. So he's the teenage boy and he's on a waterbed and he peels back his duvet to reveal a nude woman under it that is trying to seduce him. He's like, oh my God, I'm a horny teenage boy. There's a nude woman inside my waterbed. This is great. Freddy Krueger comes out of the, the waterbed, kills him and says, how's this for a wet dream? It's funny, right? Because it's, you know, it's, it's a, a naked lady and this and the other and he's a te- horny teenage boy. That's a funny line. In the remake, she is going through like the sludgy stairs, which is from the first movie. And for whatever reason, Robert Englund goes, well, Robert Englund's right. Freddy Cougar goes, how's this for a wet dream? I was like, well, that's got no context. You've just said that because it's something from a previous movie that you're making a reference to with no context. The other one is like when the, the, uh, so in the original movie, when Heather Langenkamp's in bed, there's a crucifix on the wall. The crucifix falls off and Freddy Krueger comes in through the wall. She wakes up, he goes back in, she puts the crucifix on the wall, he can't come back through. It's all about faith and belief and knowing what it takes to defeat Freddy Krueger and not, you know, and, 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 and believing in things like that. In the remake, they just make a reference to it to do a big CGI jump scare and it sucks and it doesn't make any sense. Hate that movie so, so much. Really, really annoys me. But what do you think, Denise? I think that I saw Nightmare on Elm Street only one time and that was it. And RoboCop, <laughs> I fell asleep when I watched RoboCop. So I don't know. And then was it good? Were we looking for good remakes or bad remakes? Yeah, uh, good remakes. Remakes that are criminally underrated. Oh, not I don't know about underrated. The only remake that I actually like that I remember is Little Women, the one that just came out. I thought Little Women, the new one, was fantastic. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's not underrated, but you know. Yeah, it's I, not I, underrated. Yeah, well, no, I mean, I was, I was going to say for my answer because, like, the, the two that we just mind of like really great remakes are The Thing and The Fly. But you cannot hardly say that The Thing is an underrated movie because it's a cinematic masterpiece, as is The Fly. You know, Cronenberg's The Fly. Um, 
on the subject of RoboCop, I think RoboCop is broadly fine. Uh, I think its biggest problem is that RoboCop is the third wheel in his own movie. Like, I, I think that he is not the central character when he should be. Because you're right, like, the best things about the movie, the arguments between Michael Keaton and Gary Oldman, like, that's the best bit of the movie. I'm like, where's RoboCop? I want to see RoboCop do some stuff. I was so confused watching that movie. My fiance loves it. And I just like, I let him watch it. And I was like, I'm going to take a nap. (laughs) (laughs) You do you. You do you. What you got on for the weekend, Denise? Tomorrow is, no wait, oops. I was going to say tomorrow's my day off. No, tomorrow's Friday. The day after that is my day off on Saturday. Uh, It's Halloween. Uh, I'm really just going to order some Cane's chicken, have some of that, and just kind of enjoy the day relaxing. I'm maybe going to carve a pumpkin because remember I said I've never carved a pumpkin. I might do that, but I haven't actually bought the pumpkin or the materials. So chances are I'm probably not going to buy it. I have the idea that I want to do it, but I don't know if I'm actually going to execute it. Oh, dude, I hope you do. I mean, my wife, we did our pumpkin carving the other night because we went last weekend to go get them great day that it was but it was muddy as all heck like it was it was quite scary it was like so slippery and i've only got one i only own one pair of jeans and i was like what? if i go uh, yeah yeah I, I i don't really own many clothes but i was like if i go ass over tit like this is it like uh, these are the only jeans that i own how do you only own one pair of jeans i can't get past that well okay so i i did own two um i have <laughs> got one pair of black jeans and i've got one pair of blue jeans but my blue jeans that have got a massive hole in the crotch so i'm like oh. I, might to, I might have to throw these out and like the like the button like to, to, to hook the button like kept falling off so like if i went shopping or something i was constantly afraid that like my fly was going to come undone so i was like these are inappropriate to, to wear in the moment I'm, I'm just gonna have to get rid of them i can't believe it you need to get yourself a pair of pants and you need to vlog it Find Luke the perfect pair of pants. I mean, me and uh, me and my wife were looking recently, like because we are we're moving house. We're like maybe when we move house, that's when we'll sort of like we'll get a new wardrobe. Because my wife has also been like she needs she wants to get some new clothes. I have been dressing the same since I was fourteen years old, which is just I wear shorts and I wear a t shirt and and that is it. And that's my day. But we're like okay, maybe I'll get myself a new pair of jeans. I do need more than one. And so I started looking at maybe I'll get a proper pair of jeans. They're so expensive. Like they're they're so pricey, man. And we were looking at this thing that were like a hundred pounds. I'm like, I don't expect granted, they're 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 gonna last probably longer than the jeans I bought. And like, you know, because these ones are like ethically made and they are, you know, sustainable and things like that. And that's good. And that's kind of what I want to pay. I'd rather put that money into that. But also it's a hundred pounds. I was gonna say, can't you just go to like Walmart or something and get like some ten dollar pair of pants? (laughs) Well, this is it and this has been a long-running conversation that we've had on the podcast before because i've been known to be the cheapskate uh, of this because i'd only ever go to like your walmart is what we would call primark and i would get a primark and i would just get a pair of jeans that cost me 10 pounds and, so and no walmart's it. in london oh no we don't have walmart here at all categorically we don't have walmart here um so i but like primark is basically the same thing it's like a cheap outlet for buying you know clothes and stuff and that's grand and all and i would do that although i don't really want to do any shopping at the moment but they never last and like and they're not ethically made and i should really be trying to put some i shouldn't be funding this sort of like bad business practice i guess see i feel bad sometimes but i don't feel that bad i i just go for the cheap stuff (laughs) i'd rather have quantity 
Because I get bored easily. I'll wear like one thing like t- maybe twice and then I'll be like, I'm ready for a new outfit. I already took a photo in this. I'm out. I need a new outfit. So I like to go and like buy like whatever I can possibly get. <laughs> Please, come on, man. You gotta like you gotta buy clothes that are gonna last year. No, but that's not Hollywood, Luke. Hollywood, <laughs> you need to have one outfit and wear it once, have a photograph and you can never be seen in it again. On that subject, your video you did with Sean, your Hollywood Denise persona. Oh, God, it made me laugh so much. It was so good. The one word battle of nuggets really made me laugh. I couldn't believe it. And I was like, why don't you just use Luke's steroids? <laughs> it was so dorky. You know, that Twitter video has like over 30,000 views right now. And I'm like, mm-hmm. people really sat down and watched <laughs> Hollywood Salcedo. It was awesome, though. It was so fun to do. Oh, God, it was so funny. Um, But yeah, anyway, me and my wife, we carved our pumpkins. Uh, I did a big Jason mask uh, this year, which is is really cool. Uh, And it's the first time where I've been so creative with my pumpkin carving. I got my drill out to, like, make perfect circles uh, for the the, the hockey mask. Oh, you really really went all out. Yeah, it was actually much harder than I intended it to be because, like, I've got a double-handed drill which means I had to try and hold the drill with one hand so I could hold the pumpkin with the other one. And all the while I'm thinking like, I don't think this is particularly safe. Like if I go through, I'm just going to drill my hand. (laughs) You should have done the TikTok video. No, because then a bunch of kids would be copying you and then you would start a horrible trend. Oh, dude, I once once said on a, a podcast in a very jokey manner, don't worry about studying for exams because like at the end of the day, they don't particularly matter. Uh, and you'll, you know, you'll just figure things out in life. Cause I didn't, I'd never studied for an exam in my life. I, uh, I, I, you know, as we just talked about the show, I didn't do very well at school. wasn't an academic child, never studied for any exam that I ever did, uh, in GCSE, a level or university. And I, so I said this on a podcast, you know, in a fairly joking manner, I got emails from teachers being like no. that you're setting a really bad example by saying this and they're absolutely right i am i was you know i'm telling kids who are watching this impossible impressionable kids to be like don't, don't revise kids that's for dorks be like cool uncle luke who's no who's a 35 year old youtuber like that's what you want to do <laughs> a 35 year old youtuber I'm getting my... there. I'm getting there. I'm almost going to be a 35 year old one. Not, not almost, but um, a few in the future, I'll be a 35 year old YouTuber. Yeah, yeah. You won't be alone, Luke. I know when like family members have said like, you know, you do, you, you know, when I, when I started doing this, cause I've been doing it for you know, three or four years or whatever. And they're like, Oh, you know, you're on YouTube. I was like, yes, I, I do have every 12 year old's dream job. <laughs> it's true though. It really is. Well, maybe not so much anymore because now every 12 year old wants to be TikTok famous. Oh, is that it? Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually I'm the old guard now. I'm the old guard of, of being on this this stupid dying platform. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I did. I got a genuine. I got a lot of emails from people being like, "It's a, it's really, you know, you shouldn't be saying things like that on podcasts." So ever since I got the email, I have been more wary about saying things just in case I do, you know, send across the wrong message. And uh, you'd be surprised. Something. People yeah, right? will respond to certain things and then you're like, oh my God, I really did not mean that. And then you're like, you're you're looking like the world's worst villain. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, it was just a joke. 
Um, oh, you're doing your Halloween show with Sean on Monday. So you got, you're doing a second costume though, aren't you? Because your HBK yeah. one was fabulous. Yeah, my fiance made it. He makes all my costumes for me because he's very really? like DIY crafty type of person. And I'm not, I have like zero skills for crafts or anything like that. So he put together my costume and I was, I'm, I'm very demanding too. I'm like, this is what I want to <laughs> be for Halloween this year. This is the picture. This is what I want. And he's like, okay, I can make it work. And I'm like, all right, great you go do you um but he did the costume i loved it it was so fun it was very uncomfortable to wear though and i couldn't wear the glasses on air because the glasses they the photos that i took i had to take the glasses off right away because they made me so dizzy i had a headache for like 20 minutes from those glasses oh, and no. um the costume was pretty uncomfortable though the tights were showing all of my flaws in the wrong places but <laughs> I was like, I got my picture. I'm going to do my show. And the second my show was done, I was like ripping the costume like off of me. But it looked awesome, though. I love the way it looked. It looked out. It turned out a lot better than I expected because they don't actually sell like the whole suit on like the whole, you know, all of the gear on online. Yeah. You either you either get the jacket, but you can't find the matching pants or you get the pants, but you can't find the matching jacket. So it was we had to work with it. But I will have yeah. a second costume for the show with Sean. So so I'm pretty excited about that one too. <laughs> oh, I'm so excited to see it. Um, but yeah, uh, I tell you what, guys, have a great Halloween. Uh, have a great weekend. Uh, I don't know how much Halloween we get to do this year because uh, you know it's of, of restrictions and stuff. But we're going to put our pumpkins outside. Maybe we get some trick or treaters around because I got I, I got a bit of a reputation in this area of being the trick or treat guy of being like you, that's the house to go to to get the best sweets. And I like that. And I like having that reputation. There was like so there's like a as a mums group that kind of like takes kids around in shifts to do like uh to do halloween circles and they always know like you need to go around to that house you need to go around to the owens because they're always going to give you the best sweets do you and, give uh, like the full bars like you don't give like the mini candies like you give full bars oh i mean i'll give mini candies but i just give a lot of them and just like, oh you know, dang i'm about to go over there and trick-or-treat at your house <laughs> Like uh, it was a couple of years ago, I ran out and I had to quickly run down to the shops to to get some more and like get uh, replenish what I'd uh, previously had. So um, yeah, I'm also I'm hoping that my new area I'm moving to is going to have a good Halloween circuit. But anyway, I don't know what it's going to be like this year, but I'm excited regardless. Anyway, guys, have a great great Halloween. Have a great weekend. Uh, uh, Pete and Randy will be back tomorrow with the no. I keep saying that, but it's not. Randy and Ollie are back tomorrow doing the SmackDown review. So very much look forward to that. That's going to be very, very cool. Uh, and then Ollie and I will be back with the Raw review next week. Take care, everyone. Love you. Goodbye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 